Welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week on episode 35, we talk with former Eastern Illinois volleyball standout, Mara Bradbury. Bradbury finished her playing career for the Panthers, ranked third all-time in career assists, earning all OVC honors multiple times, finishing her career with more than 4,000 assists. We talked to her about how that leadership role as a setter on the court helped carry her to her current career as an EMT and firefighter in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Like this episode of EIU Panthers Podcast and want to hear more? Then be sure to follow us by searching EIU Panthers Podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics. Be sure to visit Consolidated.com today to learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business. In EIU Athletics news this week, the Panthers baseball team will be in action this weekend at home, as will the EIU wins and women's tennis programs. The Panthers football team picked up its first win of the season last Sunday against Tennessee Tech, while the men's and women's track programs got off to a great start to the outdoor season with six first-plate finishes and four EIU career top ten marks by athletes. Be sure to stay up to date on all that is happening in EIU athletics by visiting us online at eiupanthers.com to locations for schedules, scores, and much more. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with former EIU volleyball player turned EMT and firefighter Mara Bradbury. Welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined today by former All-OVC volleyball player Mara Bradbury. Mara, I appreciate you joining us here on the program. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the invite. Um, I really appreciate, you know, still being a part of the Eastern family with every every way that I can. Now, we'll kind of uh, jump right into the sports here. One of the reasons that we'll, um, we kind of have you on the program, we honored you as a one of our, in our Frontline Protector Series and back in, I guess it was in April, May, it seems like a lifetime ago with, with, with the COVID stuff. And I'm sure with, with what you do for a living, it'll, it probably even seems longer. So we'll talk about some of the fun stuff with volleyball before maybe we get into to, to some of the serious things. And for you, I guess, you know, an all-conference volleyball player, we mentioned that. When did you kind of get into volleyball? It seems that the, the players I talk to nowadays, it, they, they remember picking up a ball from mom or dad really early. Was that kind of the same case with you? Yeah. Uh, so I have an older sister. She is uh, three years older than me. And she uh, started playing when she was about 12 or so. So I'd say about 10, I kind of picked up a ball, you know, around the house. And then I started playing um, kind of in leagues and whatnot in club when I was 11 years old. So yeah, it seems like my whole lifetime, I had volleyball surrounding my life in one way or another. Now you mentioned an older sister, was she also, you were a setter. So I guess I should clarify that because that'll, that'll be part of the, some of the conversation questions I have for you here. Was your sis, older sister also a setter or did you by default become the setter so you could set the ball to her and maybe she was an attacker? No. Yeah. She was also a setter. So okay. I followed directly in her footsteps. <laughs> um, we actually got a chance to play together when we were in high school. Um, so it was, it was fun to kind of run the team together. And I completely looked up to her like all through high school. Um, 
you know, she was, she had the position I wanted to have, but also, you know, I tried to, I liked following in her footsteps. I liked following her uh, leadership. Um, so very much, we were the same position, but we never really competed in a sense that it was like bad for our relationship as sisters. And center for, for the people that aren't familiar with volleyball, there are different systems. I'm, I'm a volleyball rookie to, to some extent here, but what I've learned is there are different systems and there are some systems where only one setter plays kind of like a quarterback in football only on, there's only one of them. And then there are systems where multiple setters play. So I guess with your sister there that one year, did you guys both get on, were you in a, I guess they call it a six, two system where you both got to play or did you have some battles when you went home about, about who should get more playing time. No, that was the thing. We worked very well together. And so uh, we did run a six, two when we played together. Um, and like I said, we never like fought for that leadership role. We very much played together and uh, ran the team together. Um, and it was a fun time. We had a great time playing with each other and I wished it could have, you know, lasted longer than what it did. Now that then carries over to your time here at Eastern. I, I, preface the setter part it, it will become kind of an underlying theme here from the from the leadership standpoint is they by default become kind of the leader on the floor in volleyball because they're the one player that's maybe kind of constant as a freshman and you came into eastern illinois how difficult did you find it to maybe then take over that leadership role as a freshman or did you feel like you had a good mix of a veteran and young players to where that wasn't that hard to do um, I mean, I think coming in as a freshman, any type of role, um, if you're going to start, um, on the court can be challenging within its moments. Um, but I think the team, you know, they kind of, they kind of smoothed that transition along just because, um, they knew they needed a setter, you know, like on a court, their setter had graduated. Um, so, uh, I think they were ready for that. Um but they helped tremendously. And then Kate is who I played under and she helped that transition go as smoothly as possible. Um, I think I was also prepared from playing uh, at a high level in club and from my high school that I felt comfortable coming into that position. I was very much looking forward to it. Um, that was one of the reasons that I did pick to play at Eastern um, because I knew that I had a good chance of starting that right from the beginning. Um, but there weren't really never issues uh, within that first couple of years stepping into that role for me, um, which is good. I mean, I think that would have made it a lot harder if there were issues, you know, trying to come in there. So I just, I think I got lucky with how, uh, you know, I kind of got handed that from coming in as a freshman, that spot was open. Um, but it definitely was something I was never afraid to like work for either. Okay. And then as we mentioned, an all OVC selection, you're an all OVC newcomer selection, which is essentially the top players. Um, I think they say select six or so. So you're one of the top players, new players in the league, your, your freshman season and in a multiple team, multiple time, all OVC selection later on in your career. Is there one of those honors that maybe stands out a little bit, more to you than the other ones from from a certain year that maybe you you got it and you weren't expecting it or or something along those lines if you know what I mean um I don't know that I really ever 
paid attention to those. Like I never really strived to be on those teams because I strived more for our team to be successful. And that may be like a me personally thing. I never really like look forward to awards or anything like that. So um, like I was very much honored to get each and every one of those OVC player of the weeks or setter of the weeks or any of anything that was on that list. But, um, but I think to me, it was a bigger thing for our team to be successful. So, like I said, honored to get those, but I can't say that one stands out more than the other, just because I was always looking for team success. Okay. And talk a little bit about team success there. You, your, your sophomore year, you guys at the time, the OVC still playing in divisions, you guys ended up being division champs that year, your, your sophomore season. What do you, and I'm asking you here to kind of reflect on, on, on the go, what do you maybe remember from that championship season that made that team click more so than maybe some of the other teams you played on? Um, yeah, I think, uh, so my class specifically, we came in um, and we had a bigger class, my, my, uh, my class, we would have been sophomores that year. Um, so I think we just really had that first season to start clicking with the team. And then by the time sophomore season rolled around, we felt a little bit more comfortable at the collegiate level. Um, and then surrounded by, you know, the other great teammates that we had. Um, if I remember correctly, we had a couple uh, fifth year seniors on that team. So we had a ton of leadership and, um, you know, people that had been there for a while and teammates that had seen how things worked well for a team. Um, so I think we had just a, a better team cohesiveness um, on and off the court. And I thought that was really successful for us. And that's, I think that's when teams play the best, whenever they can have that cohesiveness on and off the court, you know what to expect from each other. Um, you know how to push each other. I think we had some people really step up in their roles. And I mean, it showed whenever we would play. Now, um... You talked about cohesiveness there before we started the podcast here. You and I talked. You're actually getting ready to head out on vacation. So I appreciate you joining me here before you, you go take some time away from your job. You're going to meet up with a, another former Panther teammate, Kelsey Brook. And my what I've noticed with setters is there's always seems to be a bond with maybe one attacker on the team. Even though you want to, don't want to say you have a, a favorite player you're setting to, you want to, I know there's there's certain situations where you're, you're setting to where the open was, but did you ever feel like you kind of were in connection with another teammate to like, look, every time I said it, I know she's going to hammer it home and we're going to, we're going to score a point here. Um, yes and no. So I think, uh, I think a role of a setter is to be able to like feel whenever a player is, is on or playing their best. Um, and so I think it kind of changes from game to game, you know, who is really on um, granted. We had some years that like, players just really stood out or hitters specifically stood out. Um, but I think, um, I don't know. I just, I think it changes, but I do think that's a role of setter is to be able to like feel that and find it out early on in the game to be successful. And, you know, whenever it does come down to crunch time, like who can you go to that you, that you really trust to be able to um, maybe not even keep it in, but, you know, to score a point when we need it. And then the other part I think that, that's unique about volleyball, and I think this really helps maybe define the collegiate experience, is volleyball is unique in the fact you play your conference series, you play home and away, so you get to see those schools like the other conference schools do. 
but volleyball, a lot of their matches are in tournaments. So you get to go to some unique places and you play, you know, really three or four matches over a weekend. You got the experience that uh, for all four years here at Eastern, is there a, one of those trips that maybe kind of stands out to you that that's something that, you know, kind of defines the collegiate experience. I was never going to go to, you know, place X, Y, Z on my own, but I got to do this with my teammates. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think each and every place that we went to, we kind of made some sort of like attempt to do something within that city specifically. Um, I think for me, something that really stands out was we were able to go to Penn state and to play against, you know, one of, one of the best historically um, very competitive um, and successful uh, you know, teams, but also to see our coach, Kate Price, to be like in her element there, you know, that's where she played. She won a national championship there. And so it was, it was really awesome to be able to see um, her kind of back in her, you know, little, little town that she got to experience doing the same thing we were doing then um, on the, on the other side of things. So uh, we were able to go to a lot of places where, um, you know, places that we maybe wouldn't have gone to or wouldn't have even known about if she hadn't played there and stayed there for her entire career. Um, so that was really fun. That was fun to see. And then amongst that, we got to play against Penn State. So one of the one of the best teams, you know, that we could ever really even hope to play against. Um, so I think that really stands out to me. But like I said, we tried to make the most of every place we went, even if it was a small town, you know, I mean, Charleston was a small town. Yeah. So we go to another small town. We try to we try to go to the restaurant that's like local there, you know, just little things that um, I think is was unique to be able to go do. OK, now we'll kind of transition here a little bit for you when you were here to student kind of in the athletic training program, wanting to get in there. I Yeah, there was a note in your bio in, in the media guide that says career goal was to be a professional athletic trainer or an athletic trainer for a professional sports team. Needless to say, Mara is not doing that right now, but um, why was that maybe a goal at a time? And then right now, of course, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but you are a firefighter and a paramedic in the, in the Fort Wayne area, which is originally where you're from. What may what maybe happened to, along the way to where that dream didn't become a reality? Yeah. Um, I think in my mind, I knew I loved sports. I knew I loved being around players, coaches, the entire atmosphere. And um, for me, that dream was, you know, as big as I could go. Yep. And that would be a professional team working with those professional athletes. Um, and that's just what I aspired to do. Now, whenever it came time to actually um, take the athletic training classes and whatnot, which was very hard to do as an athlete. So other athletes who do that, like props to them, they have yep. all my respect because not only are you a part of your team, your practices, your workout sessions, um, you also are doing that for a second team. So you're essentially a part of two teams. Yep. Um, for me, uh, I think that's really whenever I had to question myself and say, is this really what you want to do? Like, this is, this is going to be a very, very tough four years um, to, you know, make this, make this goal a reality. So uh, within the first semester, I kind of changed plans there um, and didn't really go after that athletic training goal, but then kind of aspired to still be a part of a team, but I wanted to uh, go into physical therapy. Um, 
which was great. I thought that was a great plan. It would have, it would have served me very well, I think in life. And it would have been, it would have been all I would have hoped for. Um, so when I graduated, I came home and started working at a hospital, um, and kind of in the cardiac rehab world. And, um, I, it just was not it for me. And so I kind of had to ask myself what next, you know, I was always, I was always kind of looking for what next. Um, so I kind of ventured into the public safety world, starting an EMS, um, became an EMT kind of fell in love with that little bit of a medical side. Um, although it had nothing to do with sports, I think, um, a lot of being a past athlete helped me in that world. Um, so I ventured into paramedic then, and I still loved it. I still loved that career, but I got to work alongside of the firefighters on many scenes. Um, firefighters and uh, an EMS unit will show up at the same scene, work together. Um, and that just kind of became my goal then. So here I am juggling both paramedic and firefighter. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm finally to the point where I'm not looking for, okay, what next? Okay. So, um, yeah, this career, not at all what I expected to be five years ago ever would I think that this career is where I end up at right now, but I absolutely love it. And, um, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a lot to even like develop within this career and specialize in and, um, gosh, I feel like I just rambled on there. I don't even That's remember what, what exactly you asked there, but, um, that's kind of, this is just one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and here we are. <laughs> now, one of the things I'll, I'll ask about that is, is I, I, you're not by any means the first former athlete that I've, that I've known that have kind of gone in to be a, a firefighter or even in the paramedic world, uh, even a few Eastern alums do the mm -hmm. same thing. Is there, there's something that maybe kind of draws you to that, 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 that teamwork or that sense of teamwork that you had to be successful for you on the volleyball court that, knowing and it's in a life and death situation sometimes in the in the firefighter ems where it's not so much on the volleyball court but that teamwork and that cohesiveness is that something that maybe draws former athletes into that profession absolutely i 100 percent think absolutely um you know being a part of a team doesn't leave a person you know it just like it it transfers on to their next role in their life and um, to me, I love being a part of a team in this, you know, kind of like adrenaline situation based, um, where, like you said, it can be life or death. Um, you never know. And so I think for me, um, <laughs> it, cor it correlates a lot to being a part of a team. Um, even in, even in day-to-day -day things of, you know, making dinner at the station, I think every time I've made dinner at a station that someone has, you know, offered to help or been there through a really hard run that we've experienced together. We're a part of a team during that run. And then we come back to the station and we're still a part of that same team. Yep. So for me, that, that gives me comfort even going into whatever situation or incident we are heading towards, um, knowing that we're a part of a team, we're going to get this job done together. Um, we're all going to give it our full effort. And at the end, we're still a part of a team, whether 
you know, we see how successful things went or if we can like break things down and talk about uh, what could have gone better, what we will do next time. Um, so from the moment, from the moment we show up, when our shift starts, we are a part of a team. And that to me, I think that's, that's a really big part of like my core of who I am is I want to be a best teammate for someone else. And I want to be a part of a team that can, you know, achieve something better than what we are individuals. And for me, um, this career, this career is definitely going down that path. Then you, you touched on this, so I'm going to ask real quick. You, you talked about you have you have to take turns making dinner at the, the fire station. What, what's your go-to meal that, that you make that, that everybody raves about? Or are you, uh, we're going to order pizza when it's my night to cook person? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I love cooking. Um, and I didn't really find that out until, you know, I was put in a fire station. And now I have to cook for, you know, four to eight people. And um, so... I don't think I have a go-to yet. Um, I really like to experiment around, you know, find different recipes that I like. Um, and so far we haven't had a bad, a bad meal yet when I've cooked. <laughs> That's good. Um, the other thing, and this is unique to me, and maybe it, maybe it's not as unique as I am, but you mentioned Charleston's a small town, so I haven't been exposed to it here, but I don't know that I know a lot of females that are in the, in the firefighter industry. Are you, I'm guessing, you're definitely in the minority, but are you in the minority in terms of you're the only one in Fort Wayne or, and then maybe what, what extra obstacles have you maybe felt like you've had to overcome to, to prove yourself being a female and, and really what I think people consider a male dominated industry? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely am a minority. I am not even close to the only one. Um, we have around 350 firefighters in okay. Fort Wayne. Wow. And I want to say there's about less than 15 of us are female. So definitely a minority, but, um, by, I think I don't really feel like that whenever I show yeah. up. And I think that's part of that team, that team cohesiveness that I was talking about. Um, in the sense that we have people who strive in very many different things. Um, and, who uh, have strengths in different, different, uh, different ways throughout everything that we do from day to day. And so I think a big part is finding what you, what you can really strive in and what you can kind of be a leader for your team in. Um, and so I do not feel like a minority by any means, whenever, whenever I go into the station every day. Um, although if you look at numbers, yes, that is true. Um, now I think for me every day, it's kind of, it's what the challenge is, is that inner competitiveness inside me. Um, you know, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to strive to be the best. Yeah. And so I need to look at myself and what, how I can help my team the best. Um, and that's not going to be by being the strongest, you know, that's not going to be by being, uh, you know, other things where I have, I don't have the ability to be. So, um, I still, you know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to work as hard as I can every single day. And I'm not going to let that me being a female in this male dominated, you know, job really, really gear me towards or away from anything. Yeah. And 
uh, I think I've been lucky. I've met some really great people who, um, just like you just asked, like my point of view from things and, um, you know, they don't, they don't act like I'm any, any different. They don't see me weaker, um, or anything like that, which, which is a big part of that, that team, you know, um, people have their strengths, they have their weaknesses and all that matters at the end of the day that we get the job done as best that we can. Now you touched on this here and everybody kind of has their strengths. You, you said by no means will you be the strongest person sometimes on the crew or in, in other areas as a setter. And we'll, we'll circle back to kind of some volleyball stuff here. You kind of were the leader on the court. You could help. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is where this needs to go. This is where this person needs to go. Do you find maybe some of that leadership stuff when you were the setter in volleyball kind of kicking in in some of those situations where even though you may not be the captain or the leader of that unit, you kind of feel that you can see the whole court type situation <laughs> and, and maybe help direct some things and figure out where you can help the best. I, I definitely am always looking to where I can help the best. Um, now that whole leader thing we have, you know, we have an officer as part of our crew where that's kind of their job. Um, they kind of look for, that's their job of looking for what the best thing to do within whatever incident we're a part of. Um, so, uh, like I said before, we respond to med runs. And so being a paramedic, there's usually only one paramedic on scene, uh, or like a part of a fire crew. So, uh, whenever we get there, um, you know, I feel like it's kind of, that's kind of my role to take on is, you know, patient care and what, what's best for this patient and what we're going to do for this patient. Um, and then anything fire related that we go on, that's my officer's job. And so my part of being a part of the team is to listen to my officer. So yes and no, I guess it kind of depends on the incident that we respond to. Um, but there's always someone else to look up to. There's always someone else, uh, you know, to answer those tricky questions that you have, um, or to tell you what the game plan is. And so, for me right now, my job is to do follow what the game plan is that what they've established um, to, you know, answer my to my officer. Um, and then kind of on med runs where I'm kind of the lead clinician just because of my paramedic level. Then on those, I kind of, you know, determine what what we're going to do clinically for this patient, how we're going to help them. OK, now, of course, with just the title of what you do, being a firefighter, a paramedic, you can imagine the some of the types of situations that you go in. But about a year ago this time, a complete curveball thrown into to your industry and, and a lot of industries in the medical field and the fact that, that dealing with COVID. How would that kind of change the way you guys responded to things, one, on the fire side, but two, you're talking about how you, with a paramedic, you've got to be hands-on. There's an opportunity where you're going to have to give, you know, some resuscitation, do some, some med evaluations, and that involves direct contact. Yes. Yeah. So huge curveball. No one saw this one coming. Um, (laughs) But I think just about every part of what we do has changed in one way or another. Um, So on med runs, we have more PPE that we use. Um, We even go as far as covering ourselves with in a Tyvek suit, um, (laughs) which not all departments are doing, not, not, that's not really being done all over the place, but you know, we didn't know, we didn't know when this all started, 
there were so many unknowns. And so, you know, our department was kind of stepped up and said, we're going to give you everything we have. Um, and so, yeah, everything has changed from the way that we interact within the station. Um, obviously masks are involved and, um, keeping our distance. Um, obviously if someone is calling 911, they want your service, they want you to help them. And so it changes a little bit, um, of how you are on scene, but you're still there to do your job. You're still there to, to get your job done, um, and to help however we can. So, uh, other than the PPE, um, we still show up and do our job. Like if someone, if someone needs assess, if someone needs hands-on, we're there to do that. And by no means are any of us scared to do that at all. Um, we, you know, our, our industry can be looked at as dangerous anyway. And so this is just another aspect of that. Um, so, uh, things are lightening up a little bit now, but I think at the beginning you had a lot of people who were just very scared and I'm not saying us as responders were at all, but the public were, so they kind of looked to us. Um, so we had, we had a standard we had to set of, uh, you know, being, being protecting of each other, uh, you know, being cautious of their worries of everything. And so, you know, it just, it just takes a little bit of communication and, you know, we can get through the obstacles. Um, but yeah, I remember when this all started, it was just one new thing after another new thing, after another new thing, you know, with PPE changes, with protocol changes, with just different precautions that we were going to take inside the station on a run. You know, we, we weren't, we weren't really like going out in public any more than what we had to by making runs. So uh, I don't think that changed anyone's perception of what we do. Um, and I hope it did it because we are still there to help whenever we can, whenever we're called. Um, but there have been a lot of changes whenever you look back to one year ago and, you know, it, it was kind of the fastest slow year. I think yeah. <laughs> I could imagine, you know, you were just like hoping for the next new thing to come out for this to go away or get better somehow to mitigate the problem. And but then like, whenever you look back, you know, a year ago seems so short, you yeah. know, it doesn't sound like a full year of this that we've done. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of changes and um, I, I don't, it was just, we were lucky that we were part of a, a um, you know, an establishment that, that had our best interests. No, that's good. And like, I, I agree with you on the time we, we kind of, reached out to, to you and a number of other alums that are in the, the healthcare industry, the, the first responders industry to do like a, a thank you to, to Frontline Protector Series. And I looked back and we did it at the end of April, May, but it yeah. feels like we did it about <laughs> five years ago. And, um, yeah. and, and I know it hadn't been that long. And I don't know if people tell you guys this, but we do thank you guys for your service. I, I know you may not always hear that, but I do. People appreciate it. And if they didn't, they wouldn't be calling 911. I, I, I feel that yeah. it sometimes when, when they do need it. But we'll put your kind of wrap up here. Once a volleyball player, I guess all always a volleyball player. Are you still kind of active? Do you guys play around the pre-COVID, I guess? Do you play around the, the firehouse or in, in rec leagues? Or when you were done at Eastern, were you kind of done? No, not at all. Um, so I continue to coach still to this day. Um, I coach for the high school that I played at. Okay. And, you know, I love it. It's it just it keeps me involved with the sport. I love to, you know, be a part of how the sport's evolving. Um, 
and to go back to that, you know, high school, high school is still high level. Um, so, uh, on top of that, I do, I play weekly in some leagues here, nothing super competitive. Um, but around the station, there's no, there's not really anyone else who, uh, who, or any place really where we can play volleyball. Um, so there are some, uh, there are some, you know, competitiveness, some competitive game leagues within like, uh, firefighters versus police games gotcha. which volleyball is not a part of yet oh, so okay. hopefully push for that a little bit yeah you know <laughs> hopefully within a couple of years here we can get something rolling i would really appreciate that um but i still i still have volleyball involved in my life and i don't know that it will ever you know go away fully um i like i like the change up of you know still being able to be on the court um even though it's not my i guess profession. <laughs> okay. no. Well, I understand. Well, I appreciate your time, Mara, especially for thanking, taking some time here on, on your day off before you get ready to go hang out on a vacation with a, <laughs> one of your, your former teammates. And hopefully it's a resting relaxation time where you, you can have um, some enjoyable time, I'm sure, especially since I know what you guys do has got to be a very stressful prof- profession. So anytime you can get a break from that, it's got to be good. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate you reaching back out to me. Um, like I said, I still, I still have Eastern in my heart. (laughs) Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see other people, um, other past athletes, even at Eastern, you know, become a part of this profession, even on our department, we have a ton of past athletes. Um, so it's just something to bond over. I think. Very good. Thank you very much, Mara. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care.